hey, good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, good to share this morning with you. It's beautiful out there. Good to see your faces. Forgot how good most of you looked. Um, just kidding. I've been thinking about that joke all weekend. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to continue in our, our series, Words to Live By. As Chad mentioned, we've been kind of working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, um, jumping around a little bit, looking at some of Jesus, uh, his, his teaching, his words that uh, for us who follow Jesus are more than just good ideas or good suggestions or good advice. They are words to build your life on. Jesus' words are the words of, of God, and so they, they carry a different kind of weight for us. And this won't happen every week, but it just so happens that uh, our text today from Matthew 6 comes immediately after the text from last week um, in, in Matthew 6. We had Mark Lewis, uh, one of our, our district guys from our denomination, he was here um, speaking about uh, the, the text, you know, storing up your treasures in heaven with the words, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's important to keep that in mind um, because our text today flows kind of right out of that teaching. It's almost like one continuous thought that Jesus has as we continue in Mark chapter 6. Jesus says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry. Multiple times in this text, Jesus tells us, do not worry. And I wonder how that hits you this morning. Like, what is kind of your gut reaction, the sort of visceral response you have to those words? Do not worry. It's sort of a sad anniversary this weekend. Um, it, it was March, uh, today is March 20th. It was March 22nd, 2020, when we had our very first online-only service. It was the, you know, the start of the pandemic for us. And uh, it was our first week where we totally paused in-person gatherings. We met online completely. And we all thought we would be back in a few weeks, right? Maybe a couple months. We were so smart. We were so smart. Uh, how do you hear Jesus' words, do not worry, in light of the last couple of years, in light of the, you know, what many people call an epidemic of, of mental illness, of anxiety and depression? Is Jesus serious? How do we understand his words in light of what's going on in our world, in light of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, or the, the political divide and the, the worry over our freedoms or vaccinations or whatever it might be, climate change, housing prices, inflation? How do you hear Jesus' words in light of gas prices? 
It took me like $90 to fill up my small Mazda 3 hatchback this week. Jesus says, do not worry. However you want to slice it, there is a lot we worry about. There's a lot to worry about. And at first glance, this feels a little bit idealistic, doesn't it? Almost naive, almost like too simplistic. This is carefree hippie Jesus, right? Don't worry, man, <laughs> about a thing. He's, he's, his solution is bird watching. He's like, you've got a lot on your mind, go check out the birds. Take an afternoon of bird watching. I don't know if we have any bird watchers in here, but I want to check your stress level because you're probably like the calmest person in here. Right? It feels kind of simplistic. It almost feels unrealistic. And yet, spoken 2,000 years ago, Jesus' words continue to just cut to the core. They, they're so pertinent in our culture and in our context today. They continue to teach and challenge us, and they have something to teach and challenge us today in light of everything going on in our world, in light of the past two years, in light of the coming two years. And so what is Jesus saying? It's important to note that Jesus first is, he's not addressing um, clinical anxiety here. Some translations, this one says, do not worry. Some will say, don't be anxious. Um, Jesus is not addressing an anxiety disorder or, or mental illness here. And so please don't read this as like some sort of blanket statement that if you struggle with anxiety or mental illness, just move on, don't worry about it, get over it. That is not at all what Jesus is saying in this text. That's not the context. But nor is Jesus telling us not to plan or prepare or, or make plans for tomorrow. Like, just take it easy. Who knows whether you'll eat today or what you'll eat. Just put your feet up and have a quiet afternoon on the couch. That is also not what Jesus is saying. We don't live in an agrarian culture like they did back then. And so concern for tomorrow is kind of built into our economic and daily structure of life. Most of us have to work to, to make money, to pay for gas, to go get groceries. Like you, you have to plan, you have to think about your day, you have to think about tomorrow in your life. And there are other teachings in the New Testament that warn against a kind of a laziness or an apathy towards provision or work. But there is a difference between being thoughtful and prudent and planning ahead and what Jesus calls worry here in this text. Worry is something different. It's something deeper. See, there's a level of concern for our health and well-being that's normal and actually healthy and helpful. Uh, but then there's a level that's unhealthy and unhelpful where we become consumed with our needs and wants. It shows up in, in the what ifs, keeping yourself up at night, trying to plan and predict for every possible outcome of every possible situation. It shows up in discontentment, just never being able to enjoy the moment because you're always thinking about another thing to get or buy or acquire. It shows up in the inability to be present, like your mind is just somewhere else all the time, thinking about you know, what you're going to do or what you're going to accomplish. It shows up in fear. Fear our investments won't pan out. Fear, our, fear for our kids. Fear for our business or our finances. Fear people won't like us. There is a kind of worry that can consume you. can get into your heart. And all of us do this at times. All of us are tempted to kind of drift into that headspace. And Jesus is not a self-help preacher who just wants to give us a couple nice tips to kind of manage our life. What he does is he goes much deeper 
He goes beyond what he does all throughout the Sermon on the Mount and really all throughout his teaching. He goes beyond the surface, surface issues of our lives to the issue of our heart. Last week, Pastor Mark made the point that a person's life is a reflection of their heart. And if that's true, it means worry is an issue of our heart. It's really interesting. Right before Jesus talks about worry, he talks about money, right? Because it's like underneath the money issue is this issue of worry. And underneath the worry issue is the issue of trust. It's an issue of our heart. Who do you trust in? What do you put your confidence in? Worry is what happens when we stop trusting in God. When we're consumed with worry, we do something different. We start trying to be God. We start trying to play God. We get consumed with our own needs and wants that we take things into our own hands, right? Like we don't know what the future holds and so we plan for every possible outcome. We work harder to save more, to earn more, to have more, to, to invest more so that, you know, just in case because we don't know what will happen. And before you know it, before you know it suddenly our lives are consumed with, with me, my wants, my needs, my personal security, happiness, well-being. And I become responsible to ensure that that will happen. Just like money is an issue of our heart, so too is worry. It's been discovered that a, a dense fog, we don't get a ton of fog like in the city of Kelowna, but um, obviously if you're, you're on your way to Vancouver, you'll often travel through a dense fog. Uh, a dense fog that covers seven city blocks. Just imagine like seven city blocks, a hundred feet deep. That kind of fog is actually only composed of, of less than one glass of water. That amount of water is divided into 60,000 million tiny droplets. So there's actually not much there. But when a dense fog sets in, it kind of blocks out all your vision. You can't see anything. And when worry takes root in our hearts, it's like a fog sets into our hearts. We can't see, our vision is, is blurred. And instead of trusting in God, we begin to trust in ourselves. We begin to trust in our own abilities. We rely on ourselves. And we've seen what happens when this kind of, this fog of worry sets in. Think about the last couple of years. How many times have, there, have you just, um, the, the craze of panic buying has set in. Like where all of a sudden we worry that there's not gonna be enough whatever, milk, toilet paper, produce. And so everyone rushes to the grocery store and waits in line. And like the whole produce section is, is cleared out, even the weird cabbage that no one likes. Like when worry sets in, it's like we, we make rash decisions. It clouds our vision. We take matters into our own hands. And the, the ironic part, I think the part that Jesus is getting at here is that it doesn't actually relieve our anxiety. It never does what we hope it will do, right? When you make your personal security and well-being and financial, you know, prosperity the main focus of your life, it will actually ruin and destroy you because you'll never have enough. You will always be anxious. You will always be worried that there won't be enough. You will always be worried about the next thing. It's this great paradox that the more a person has, the more we have to worry about. Or as the song goes, mo' money, mo' problems. The things of this world that Jesus talks about don't eliminate anxiety, they heighten it. And Jesus' solution is, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. 
You're like, thanks, Jesus. That's helpful. That's helpful for my business, or that's helpful for my financial situation. But it, it, it sounds naive or even too simplistic, but his point is profound. Look around you. Get your eyes off of your circumstance and look, notice, pay attention to the world around you. Like there is a God who is at work in our world. Don't you see it? Don't you see that there's a God who cares for the birds? There's a God who, who crafts and creates and fashions flowers. Don't you see that the, you are so much more valuable to God than birds? Don't you know what kind of God we have who cares for the smallest detail? Jesus says, look around you. Pay attention to what you have. Pay attention to the world that God has put into motion. There is a God at work in our world. And so we don't have to spend our lives consumed with getting ahead, climbing the ladder, trying to acquire one more thing because we can actually trust that there's a God who loves and cares for us deeply. Isn't it interesting how spot on Jesus' cultural critique is here? He says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Did you catch that? Those who don't know the love of our Father spend their life consumed with material things, trying to acquire more. Isn't that true of our world today? Like there is just this constant push and pull to have more, experience more, earn more, have a bigger house, have a bigger storage container. This constant push to put your needs first. But disciples have a different orientation. We have a different orientation, a higher purpose than just survival or getting ahead. And Jesus' solution to worry is so counterintuitive and simple. He says this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Followers of Jesus are invited to live differently. Again, this isn't just about how you spend your money or how much stuff you have. This is an issue of our heart. Like our, our order of priorities is different. Our order of priorities, what we put first is different. It's not that our needs don't matter, right? Jesus doesn't say, you know, the Gentiles run after all those things and you should be spiritual and focus on spiritual things. He says the Gentiles run after all those things and your heavenly father knows you need them. It's not that our needs don't matter. It's that when our heart is fixed firmly on God, our needs are met. Just as there is this paradox that the more we have, the more we have to worry about, there's another paradox that when we prioritize God instead of our own needs, ironically, our needs are met. Ironically, we actually have nothing to worry about. We find a sense of freedom from our worry, not by taking things into our own hands and putting our own needs and wants first, but by seeking God first. It's this great paradox that is central to the way of Jesus that says if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for his sake, you will find it. And that is the invitation for us to fix your heart firmly on God. Fix your heart firmly on God. I think you could boil down Jesus' whole teaching in the Sermon on the Mount to this statement in chapter 6 where he says, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. 
right? It's, it's turning the other cheek. It's forgiving. It's giving to the needy. It's praying. It's all of these things. It's seeking God first with your time, your money, your decisions, your relationships, putting him first. And the promise here, and it is a promise, it's not just wishful thinking, is that when we do that, our needs are met. Not our wants, right? Not, this isn't like prosperity. You pray a lot and God will give you the Ferrari. Um, that's not it. It's our needs, not our wants. And the reality is, for many of us, the question is not, will I eat today? It's, where will I eat today? Where do I want to go for lunch? It's not, do I have enough to afford a car? It's, does my car have heated seats? And does it have Bluetooth to connect to my iPhone 13? Right? So for many of us, worry takes a different kind of um, shape in our lives. And Jesus says, your needs will be met. When we put him first, when we learn to trust him, our needs are met. And not only that, we're actually freed from worry. It's like the fog of worry lifts from our lives and we begin to see clearly. My wife, uh, Carissa, has made up a rule in our house that anytime I, anytime I mention her in a, a sermon story or illustration, she gets like some sort of compensation, like a throw pillow or a candle or something. Um, and we have enough throw pillows. So let it be known, this story is about my son, Elliot. <laughs> His price is lower. He just prefers cuddles. Um, Elliot, having Elliot, he's five months this week. He has taught us so much. Um, and, and I don't know if I'm the only parent who does this, but I often just like, I have these out-of-body moments where I imagine if we, if we talk to adults the way we talk to, to kids, and if we treated them the same way, like can you imagine if you woke up in the morning and there was like a big smiling face like right in your face that was just like, good morning. Like I think about this all the time and, and I imagine what it would be like uh, to, to, to be Elliot just to be like this little tiny guy. Um, and one of the things that we've, we've thought about often is just how trusting Elliot is, right? As a newborn, like we, we pick him up and you know, he maybe falls asleep, he drifts off into sleep and then he wakes up and someone else is holding him. That's, that's strange. And then he falls back asleep and then he's in a car seat and we're driving somewhere. And then he falls asleep and he wakes up and someone's changing his diaper and then someone else is holding him and he's just kind of getting passed around the family. And the whole time he's just so content. Like he knows his needs will be met. And so he's trusting. He doesn't freak out every time something happens, every time someone passes him around. He just trusts us. And at different times, Carissa and I have asked this question, why don't we trust God like that? Why don't we trust our Father like that, who knows our needs and who promises to meet them? Why don't we trust God like that? Why do we spend so much time worrying, so much mental real estate, thinking about all the what ifs, all the possibilities, all the question marks, when we have a God who loves us more than we could imagine? Why don't we trust God like that? The truth is, learning to trust God is hard. It's, 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 it takes practice. It's, it's really hard because everything in our world is pulling us in the opposite direction. Everything in our world is telling us to be autonomous, to take control, to be independent, to be self-sufficient, to just kind of be the master of your own fate. And yet Jesus invites us, his followers, to let go, to fix our heart firmly on him and allow him to take care of us. Learning to do that takes time. In fact, it takes a lifetime. But you know it when you see it, 
right? You know it when someone does this, when someone has this, when someone's heart is fixed firmly on God, you know it because there's just a kind of quiet confidence that comes with them. There's a quiet confidence that whatever may come, pandemic, job loss, illness, sudden death in the family, that whatever may come, there's kind of an unwavering trust that God will take care of them. A quiet confidence. And our consumerist, restless world is in desperate need for followers of Jesus to model a quiet confidence in something other than material possessions and wealth. To model a quiet confidence in the person of Jesus. When everything else in our world seems out of control, chaotic, Jesus invites us to trust him, to know that we'll be taken care of as we put him first. And so the band is gonna come and uh, we're gonna just take a moment to pray together. I wonder if we could actually take a moment to, to put Jesus' words into practice here. Um, I, I mentioned that this is, uh, Jesus' teaching is bigger than just one decision or one kind of day-to-day worry that might come to your mind. It's kind of a whole life orientation. It's a, it's a matter of our heart. And yet, the reality is, that shows up in the everyday decisions and conversations and the way we process and think. Worry shows up in our everyday thinking and in our, in our heart. And I wonder if we could just take a moment to, to seek God to put him first, to practice this teaching. So why don't you bow with me in prayer? I wonder if, if there's something that comes to mind for you, like what is one area of concern for you? What is one thing that causes you to worry, one decision or topic or relationship, circumstance that kind of keeps you up at night? You, you put your head down and you're just constantly going over and over and over again. One thing your mind is just drawn through, your future, your dreams, your finances, your relationship status. Just bring that to mind before God this morning. Bring that, that thing before God this morning. And just as we sit here this morning, just invite God to come and meet you there to help you trust him with it, to help you let it go, to release it. Invite God to give you perspective, remind you of his deep, deep care and love for you. And as we sit here and as you just contemplate and consider the goodness of our God in light of your situation, in light of your worry, in light of your concern, I wanna read Jesus' words from this text over you. Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't you far more valuable to God than the birds? Do you trust God with your worry? He sees, he knows, he cares. Do you trust him with your concern? Just rest in his care. 
as you release your worries, you let it go, maybe even just physically, if your hands are clenched, would you just open them? Just release your care and concern over to a God who knows and loves deeply. There's that song that says, his eye is on the sparrow. His eye is on the small details of our life. And so God, this morning, Jesus, we just rest in your presence. We rest in your care for us. We bring God before, before you, we bring whatever it is that's on our mind and on our heart, whatever takes up mental real estate in our life, we just bring it before you and we trust you with it. We entrust it to you. We entrust it to your care, to your love. We rest this morning, Jesus, your love for us. Your eyes on the sparrow, your eyes on us. Do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows all your needs. So Father, thank you for these words. May they stick in our hearts. May they, may they resonate in our lives. May they stick with us as we go from this place this morning, this, this evening, as we get back into life and we begin to think of our week and our month and our year and all the decisions. God, would these words stick with us? Do not worry. The Heavenly Father who cares for us. So thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand with me. We're gonna sing a song that I love that has these words, um, all my life you've been faithful. And I really, we sing these words, I wanna invite you to, to make them your own. You know what I mean? To not just sing them and go on autopilot, but to, to embrace them to sing them from your own heart. And maybe as we sing this morning, you wanna reflect a little bit. As Jesus says, you wanna look at the birds or look at the flowers, you wanna think about your life, all the things God has given you, all the ways God has been faithful as we declare his faithfulness together. Why don't we sing?